easy study and easy memorization. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So when you go from one chapter to the next chapter, it's usually a continual thought. Amen. So they break that up so that we could memorize it, so we could study it, so we could learn it, so forth and so on. So we're going to go from the end of chapter number one on into the beginning of chapter number two. It's a continual thought there. And we're going to study tonight the topic harmony. Say that with me. Say it again. Harmony. Harmony. Uh, we have discovered that God wants us to have hope. Amen. When we're facing trials, when we're facing difficulties, everybody needs to have hope. That's something that we have on the inside. We depend on hope. We trust in hope. We got to have hope. You don't have hope. You don't have anything. Amen. We have to have hope. Everybody needs to have hope. Thank God we have the blessed hope. Amen. Now, the second thing we learned was holiness. When we're facing trials, we have to have holiness, and he emphasized holiness and purity. Now, why is that important and when it comes to trials? You say, well, what does that have to do with trials, being right with God? Well, when you go into a trial, you need the touch of God, and you're going to need the power of God, and you're going to need the presence of God in your trial. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, here's the problem. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So what does that mean? If we're going to have him with us, we have to be walking in holiness. Does that make sense? Now, okay, uh, first off, we studied hope. Secondly, uh, we studied holiness. It, it requires holiness. If we're going to make it through the fire, we have to practice holiness. Then tonight, we're going to look at harmony. Harmony, getting along. And I, I wondered, why is this so important? When we're facing difficulties, when we're facing trials, when we're facing hardships in our life, why is harmony so important when we go through the fire? Because we not only need God, we need each other. We need God to help us get through the fire. We need God to help us get through the trials. We need God to help us get through the issues of life. But God knows we need each other. God looked down and seen Adam, and he was alone. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. He had God, but God wasn't enough. Let that sink in a minute. It is not good. He fellowshiped with God, had fellowship with God, but he said, this is not good. The only thing in creation that God said was not good. Think about that. He made light, and it was good. He made the trees, he said it was good. He made the stars and the sky and everything there was, and it was good. But when he saw Adam alone, he said, this is no good. Preacher, what are you saying? You can't be a Lone Ranger Christian and make it. We need each other. And the only way we're going to be able to stick together is we got to have some harmony. Are y'all with me? Now, none of that's in your notes, but it was coming to me at the time. Amen. Verse number, verse number 22. Verse number 22, chapter number 1. How many of y'all had a rough week? I'm talking about a week from Hades. That's the legal term that, well, y'all know. Y'all know what Hades is. That's been my week right there. Amen. If I was a deacon, I'd use the real word, but I can't. I'm a pastor, so I'm going to just, 
I'm going to stick with Hades. Amen? And I need God's touch tonight. So uh, verse number 22. Are you, now, some of y'all need to relax. It's okay. We can, we can smile and enjoy and have a good time in the house of the Lord. Amen? 1 Peter 1, If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen goes right there. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a, li a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is uh, precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But, read it with me. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past, read it with me, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Read it with me, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. One more, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the folks that are here to learn it. Thank you for the opportunity to teach it. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit who is here to comfort and to guide and to be our teacher tonight. Father, allow him to teach. Let us allow him to teach. Help us to be submissive to his, his wooing. Help us to be submissive to his guidance. Help us to be submissive to his conviction tonight. Lord, lead us in the right way. We know the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and we want to be good people. We want you to order our way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. Harmony. <clears throat> Harmony. Getting along. Uh, I, was, I was looking, I was looking, uh, in, and I, I, this, is, this is probably not an accurate number, but it was all I could count at the time. Uh, just in the United States alone, there are, there are over 53 different Baptist denominations. Did you hear me? Are y'all paying attention? 53 different Baptist denominations. 
Uh, now, I just said Baptist. I didn't say Methodist. I didn't say Lutheran. I didn't say Episcopal. Uh, I, I, I didn't say any of the, uh, the rest of these that are non-Baptist. Uh, there are a ton of different folks on this planet. Say amen. And God sees one group. God sees one group. God sees the church. God sees those that he died for. God sees the building that he is building. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my churches. Are y'all with me? And this is really important that we get this. We, we, we have, have come to a point, we have come to a point that we are so divided and, 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 and we are so, now, now don't get me wrong, now don't get me wrong. I, I'm a Baptist for a reason. The reason that, that, that name on that sign says Baptist is that it, I believe it's the closest to what uh, uh, the Baptist distinctives is the closest to what the Bible teaches. And, and, and we'll discuss some of them later. But, but the point of the matter is even Baptists, there's 53 different kinds of them. And we can't get along. And God is not about divisiveness God is not about division when he was praying to the father before he was crucified he said Lord that they may be come on y'all y'all know what that is that they may be one it's amazing what takes place when God's people get together it's amazing what takes place when God's people are in unity and God's people are in harmony. The Bible says when they were in one mind, in one accord, the, the Holy Spirit filled the temple. You go through the book of Acts and the times that they were together, the times that they were on the same page, the times that they were in unity and harmony. Man, great things can happen when we get together. But horrible things can happen when we get divided. When we allow things to come in and, and, and opinions and preferences to destroy. Psalms 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? Unity. Ephesians 4 says it well. Therefore the prisoner, I the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness. That's, that's humility people. With long-suffering, uh, that's putting up with, that's patience, if you will. Forbearing one another, to put up with, in love, endeavoring. The word endeavoring means to work real hard. Make an effort, endeavoring to do what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is, say it with me. Say it again. One body. Man is splintered and split and divided and, 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 and all these different denominations, all these different, even just, let's just say the Baptists, all of this, but when God looks down at this earth, he sees one body, one body. Now, we have to have harmony. Paul, or excuse me, Peter, in this particular letter, in the next few verses that we're going to read, he begins to describe the body of Christ. He begins to describe the church in four different pictures and, and, and describing how important it is that we have harmony and unity. And that's what we're going to cover tonight. Four different pictures, four different uh, living illustrations, if you will, to describe how we are connected. Because whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, if you're saved, you are connected with some other folks. And you're connected to other folks that's not the same as you. 
You're connected to folks that don't look like you. You're connected to folks that don't necessarily believe identical to you, but you're still connected. Amen? Now, watch this, number one. Number one, if you're taking notes. Number one, I want you to see. He begins to teach and help us understand that we are children in the same family. Say that with me. We are in the same in the same family. Three, three things I want to share with you, or four things underneath this section. I want you to write this down. I want you to see our arrival. Our arrival. Uh, in order to get into a family, you got to arrive. Say amen. You got to be born. You got to be born. You're either born or adopted into the family. Uh, and both of them classify, you know, we're adopted by the Lord. Say amen right there. Uh, but basically, you're born into a family. There is a birth. There is a physical birth that puts you into a physical family. But God teaches us that we are a spiritual family, and there has to be a spiritual birth. Look what it says in verse number 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Why do you think we use the word brethren? We're a family. When, we, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, it was so natural to say Brother Paul or Sister Mary or Sister Susie or Brother Joe. Or I, I, I just, I didn't have no idea. I just thought that was the first part of their name. I mean, my, when I was a little kid growing up, that's just what I heard everybody call everybody because everybody I was around was Christians. And, and, and it, it wasn't until later on in my life I realized that we call them that because we are recognizing and stating to everybody else that they are family I remember I remember uh, uh, the first time I used the term brother to somebody that wasn't in the family uh, a lost person in the in in the world and and I said hey brother so-and-so and they was like looking at me like what you you know and dad had to explain to me everybody ain't our brother <laughs> I didn't understand that and he, he said look when you get saved you're in the family you become a brother amen now, everybody says, we're all God's children. Not so. We're all God's creation. Every human being, he is everybody's God, but he ain't everybody's father. He does not become your father till you get in the family. Y'all with me? We are brethren. We are in the same family. Now, here's what I want you to see. The only way to enter God's spiritual family is by a spiritual birth through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in John chapter number 3, I was going to turn over there, but to save time, let me just describe what is going on. You go home and, and study it as homework. In John chapter number 3, we find a religious leader comes to the Lord Jesus Christ curious about uh, everything that he's seeing. He says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things that you do, these miracles and these works that you do, unless God is with him. See, he's curious. He's not fully convinced that he is who he says he is, but he is curious. He knows there's enough going on that there's something different about this dude. It's amazing. Well, boy, there's so much I want to say about that. Uh, it's amazing who will come to you in the night when nobody else can see. Uh, 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 <laughs> He comes to, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and, 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 and said, look, what's this? What's this about? What's this about? And this is what he says. He said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And, and so Nicodemus automatically in his mind, it registers born again. He's thinking the physical birth. 
He said, how can a man go into his mother's womb and be born again? It's a physical impossibility. Well, Jesus was not referencing a physical birth. He was referencing a spiritual birth. And he begins to tell him, that which is flesh is born of the flesh, that which is spirit is born of the spirit. And he uses the term with water, that which is born of the spirit, and the, or, or water and the blood. Now, what's the point? He's saying there is a physical birth and there is a spiritual birth. Now, why do we have to be born again? Why does he use the term born again? When man was created in the garden, he was created in the image of God. In the image of God. And everybody thinks that, okay, God looks like us. No, God's invisible. Anywhere you study in the Bible, he is the invisible God. God is a spirit. And we must worship him in spirit and truth. That's not the image. The image is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You and I were, were created in the image of God. Do you know every, every part of our bodies in trinities? We have three major parts of the body, three major parts of the arm. Every finger has three major parts. We're all in trinities. Trinities. Now, when God made you, when God, excuse me, when God made Adam in the garden, he gave him a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, we know, we know that when, when, when he said that if you take this fruit, ye shall surely die. Now, the moment that Eve ate that fruit, did she physically die? No. Or she couldn't have gave her husband the fruit. They didn't physically die because he was not talking about a body. The body was not going to die. Now, we know the soul cannot die. The soul is ever living. When a person is born, God, or when man was made in the dust of the ground, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. That means never dying. Never dying. There was a time you didn't exist, but once you became, you never will cease to exist. Amen. You will always be. Your soul will go somewhere forever, heaven or hell. So the soul can never die. So it was not a physical death. It was not his soul that died. So what was it that died? It was his spirit. The spirit is what, hallelujah? The spirit is what connects you to God. When that spirit died... What happened? God came in the garden. Adam! What happened? Their connection was broken. That part of man that was connected with God. Now God knew where Adam was. God's God. But their connection was broken. And when man is born again, when, when he is saved, when he comes back to God and God saves him, that spirit is reborn, and we are reconnected to God. And son, everything's different from that point on. Amen. Now, we have to be born again. We have to arrive, if you will. We are born into the family. Born into the family. There, just as there are two parents in the physical birth, so there are two parents in the spiritual birth. The Spirit of God, we just learned that in John chapter number 3, and the Word of God. Look what it says in verse 23 of 1 Peter 1. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, that's the physical birth, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Church, say amen. What happens is that the word of God is implanted in the heart, and the spirit of God comes, and that, listen, that, that seed takes root, and we are born again. So we have to be uh, born again. That's the new birth. That's our arrival. We're children in the same family by a new birth. 
That's why I can have I can have all kind of people as my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the same new birth. Say amen. amen. Then B, I want you to see this. Not only our arrival, but our affection. Our affection. I, I've always felt sorry for families that did not operate like families are supposed to operate. And what I mean by that is families should have love permeated all through them. I had the opportunity to grow up in a big family. I had an opportunity to grow up in a loving family. Uh, 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 I'm talking about from top to bottom. I had a bunch of aunts and a bunch of uncles, and, 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 and we had love one for another. You fight one, you fight them all. Say amen. We loved each other. There was, there was love. We loved getting together. We loved hanging out. I mean, we had the typical squabbles like any family was, but there was love there. And there are so many people who grow up and, and, and who uh, have to experience life without that kind of affection, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. A family is to have love permeated all the way through it. And when we come together as the family of God, we are supposed to love one another. We're supposed to love one another. He says in verse number, uh, verse number 22, let's go back to verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth, that's salvation, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love. Unto is very important. Unto, in other words, when we get saved, it will lead us to something. To what? Unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. It's amazing. When you get saved, it'll cause you to love people you never would before. It'll cause you to love races that you never would before. It would cause you to love people that you wouldn't normally hang out with. Something just takes place. You can't explain it. You can't understand it. But God moves in and fills our heart with love. Now watch. This love is very important. Peter used two different words for love. Philadelphia. Uh, now, now most of you, when I say that, some of you might not understand what I'm talking about. In the original Greek, in the original Greek language, the New Testament was written. All right? You have the, you have the, uh, the English version in your hand, but the original letter was written in Greek. It's a little more I extensive. These two words are here. It's the, same, it's the same English word that you're looking at, but it's two different Greek words. And he uses two different on, on, on purpose. Now watch. Peter used two different words for love. Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. And agape, which is godlike sacrificial love. It is important that we share both kinds of love. We share brotherly love because we are brothers and sisters in Christ and have likenesses. In other words, uh, we share love because we like the same things. We have, we have things together in common. How many of y'all know it's easier to, to, to love somebody that likes what you like and that hates what you hate? And so there's a commonality that there. So it's easier to get along with people that's like you. It's real easy. But he declares another kind of love, this godlike love, this sacrificial love. God, we share agape love because we belong to God and therefore can overlook differences. Underline that, underline that. Two loves, agape and Philadelphia. Philadelphia is brotherly love. That's loving because we have likenesses. But agape is that sacrificial love. That's the love where you choose to love them. You see, God, God don't love you for what you can do for him because he don't need you. God's love is unconditional. God's love is a choice. God chooses to love us. 
And here's the deal. We'll never have harmony. We'll never have unity. We'll never be able to get along unless we operate in both of these. Because you got to like me whether I like what you like or I don't like what you don't like. you got to like me and choose even if we're different. That's the problem. That's why there's five million churches all over the every corner of the... It's kind of like this. <laughs> This is a little humorous, but anyhow, uh, this man was marooned on an island, been there 20 years. I mean, all by himself. And they finally, uh, a ship comes by, sees his fire there, and comes to rescue him. And he's got three buildings on the property, three buildings on the island. And they said, man, what are these buildings right here? He said, well, that's my house right there, and that's where I go to church. They said, what's that building over there? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> that's... Y'all know he is a Baptist, amen. <laughs> you know why there's so many splits and splinters and divisions and this one's going to leave this church? And, and it's the funniest thing to me. It's the funniest thing to me. Uh, usually when a split happens, they'll go start another church and call it Unity Baptist. <laughs> I've never, I, I don't get that. Or, well, let me leave that alone right there. It's because we can't seem to look past our differences. I use this illustration in, 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 in uh, our membership class with how we treat one another. How we treat one another. And, and there are beliefs that we all have. Everybody's got beliefs. And you've got to have beliefs. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, so forth and so on. We have beliefs here at Temple that we have to be together on. There's some things we've got to believe the same. And, and, and essential beliefs, we have unity. we got to believe the same. In other words, if you believe you can get into heaven by Buddha, we're going to have real issues. Y'all with me? They're just certain things. We have to believe the same on or we can't fellowship. We're going to have real problems. But there's some things that's, that's, that's non-essentials. There's people in here that believe things that's, that really it's, it's non-essential. It's not going to get you into heaven. It's not going to uh, uh, keep you out of hell. It's just, it's just non-essential. Essential. Some people believe you have to wear a tie every time you go to church. That's not a non-essential. But if you want to wear your tie, wear your tie. We're not going. We're not going. We're not going to complain to you for wearing it, and, and you're not going to complain to somebody for not wearing it. Y'all with me? I'm using this as an illustration. That's a non-essential. That's a non-essential. But we all have them. We all have. We have people in our church. We have people in our church that thinks the music is way too beady, too rocky sounding, uh, too contemporary. Uh, 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 but they keep coming. Then we have people who thinks it's not beady enough. It's not contemporary enough. Needs to be more. Well, how? Why do they keep coming? Because this one thing, we love each other enough to overlook our differences. And there's a lot of people that can't do that. If you don't believe just like them. Just you got to cut your hair just like them. You got to wear your tie just like them. You got to walk just like them. You got to everything's got to be identical, or we we just can't walk together. That's why there's only 22 in your church. And them 22 don't all agree. They just start. They're just tired of fighting each other. Y'all with me? You see. They're, they're in these non-essentials and, and essentials, we got to, regardless, we got to show charity. What's the word charity? Me and my brother are completely opposite. 
Completely opposite. In every way, shape, form, how, whatever, we're completely opposite. But when he's here, I want him with me. When I'm down in Florida, he wants me with him. Everywhere he goes, I go. I mean, it's just the way it is. And we're totally different, totally opposite. But there's one thing. We love each other. And because of that love, I overlook his differences. He overlooks my differences. Y'all with me? We got to love each other. How can we get along when they act like that? You got to love them. Well, I don't feel like it. That's the point. That's the point. Because if you did, if that's the only time you did love, it wouldn't be real love. That's why when you stick together after that two-year infatuation time goes away in marriage, that's right. There's a two-year period of time, that's, and it's getting shorter by the year. Say amen. Now, all of a sudden, all that infatuation goes away, all those fuzzy feelings go away, and you look up beside that, you wake up beside that person and say, Who are you? And when you choose to stay together, that's love. Those fuzzy feelings you get when you first and you're infatuated with that other person, that's not real love. That's more lust than anything. But when the time gets hard and you stick it, when it gets difficult and you choose to stay, you choose to overlook issues, you choose to look past stupidity on a regular basis. I said it. Y'all don't have no idea how my week's been. There ain't no telling what I'm going to say tonight. <laughs> Amen. Let us close, Lord. <laughs> now, how are we going? <clears throat> how many of y'all know it's, it's, it's hard loving people that's different? And I, and I mean that in every every way you can you can mean. That. I'm not just talking about different uh, in, in, in where you're from, uh, as far as culture, north and south. I mean, we've got Yankees in here, uh, Rhode Island people. You know that uh, we we cut up back and forth. Uh, we've got rednecks from the south. I mean, you've got uh, you got educated people and non-educated people. I mean, there's just, just so many differences and different ways of thinking, different ways of acting. And you know? how are we gonna love people like that? I'll tell you this, you're not going to do it on your own. It's hard enough like some of them people. Must love them, say amen. amen. How are we going to do that? He, he tells us how. Watch what he says. Seeing, verse 22, seeing ye have pure, and by the way, don't get all jacked up about how long this outline is and where the time is. We're going to go as far as we can go, and we'll do a to be continued next week. Say amen. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through, through, how do we do this? Through the Spirit. Spirit. You see this love that we have one for another? This, this, this agape love, this brotherly love, that, this love that helps us overlook the differences? Number one, it's a spiritual love. It is a spiritual love. In other words, it's not your natural response. Because by nature, all of us are selfish. 
By nature, we all want what we want. That's why little kids, they, why, do you think, why do you think Jesus said coming to me as a little child? Because if a little child don't like you, he'll stick his tongue out at you. Now, now adults won't do that. We'll, we'll smile until you leave. Won't we? And I've always, I've always been told, be careful them people that's patting you on the back because they're looking for a soft spot. Amen? What did Jesus say? Come to me as a little child. In other words, be real. Be real. Come to me real. And in this, in this we learn that by nature, a child, when he's little, he's real. He's what he really is. When, you, when, he, when he has that toy, it's mine. Whether you had it first or he had it first, it don't matter. His nature shows. His nature comes out, and it's selfish by nature. And we all, if the truth be known, we are all by nature selfish creatures. We want what we want. We want what we desire. And we have to have help with this because when it's different than we are, when there's difference of opinions, when there's differences of outlooks on things, we got to have help with this. By nature, all of us are selfish. So it, it took a miracle of God to give us this love. Love for the brethren is an evidence that we truly have been born of God. Turn with me just a few pages over in your Bible to 1 John. It's just a couple pages over. Uh, 1 John chapter number 4 in verse number 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. In other words, where are we going to get this love for each other? From God. Love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. This is a great evidence that we have God and that we know God, that we're loving like God. He that loveth not, he that loveth not, y'all paying attention, he knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Here, excuse me, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, read it with me. You see, no man has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Now watch. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. Uh, uh, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Going to get a little tight right here. Everybody read it with me. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a, he is a, he is a. Any questions? There's no ifs. There's no buts. There's no ands. If a man will come in here and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, while hating his brother the whole time, you're lying. I didn't say it. He said it. How? Watch this. Watch this. 
For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. What does that mean? I think it means this. If this love that we got to have, is, if it's a spiritual love, uh, if we're going around hating folks, you might want to check up on your salvation. Now, this doesn't mean to say folks won't have issues with people. But here's what's going to happen. When you have an issue with people, the Holy Spirit, from the time the issue begins, is going to be on you saying, fix it. You need to forgive them. You need to let this thing go. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit's going to be, hey, hey. You can't, you can't be at peace by being at war with other people. That's good. You can't be at peace by being at war with other people because the, the peace comes from God, and if you're at war with other people, you can't be right with God. Amen? How am I going to love them? He's going to help you. He's going to give you that love. It's not only a spiritual love, but number two, it's a sincere love. Watch what it says. Verse number 22. Seeing that ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned. That means genuine. Genuine, sincere, real. Not fake. Many people develop relationships to see what they can get out of the person they have the relationship with. Real love don't do that. We love with a pure heart. Our motive is not to get, but to give. For God so loved the world that he... See, love is all about giving. Giving. If our love is sincere and from a pure heart, we could never use people for our own advantage. Man, that's huge right there. Number three. And this is... And see, here's what a lot of people miss right here. It's not only a spiritual love, it's a sincere love. It's a striving love. A striving love. He said, this love should be unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Fervently. Fervent is an athletic term that means striving with all one's energy. Love is something we have to work at. Say that with me. Love is something we have to... Just as an Olympic contestant has to work at his particular skill, Christian love is not a feeling. Christian love is not a feeling. Christian love is not a feeling. Are you getting it yet? Christian love is not a feeling. It is a matter of the will. We show love to one another, excuse me, we show love to others when we treat them the same way God treats us. God forgives us, so we forgive others. God is kind to us, so we are kind to others. It's not a matter of feeling, but of willing. And that is something we must constantly work at if we are to succeed. What does that mean? It's going to take effort. The Holy Spirit will put inside of you what you need to accomplish the task, but you got to work it. It takes effort. It takes trying. 
A good marriage is not automatic. There's no such thing, and please get this, all you young couples and older couples and any couples, and if you're thinking about being a couple, you got to understand this. There's no perfect marriage. There is no marriage made in heaven. They're all made everywhere else but there. Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's without issues. Nobody's without things in their life. There's no perfect marriage and they don't just automatically happen. You see this couple who's been married forever and they get along and they have a great relationship. That didn't just happen. You don't just, it's there. And that. Every marriage, every and, and this is not just in a marriage relationship. It can be in a business relationship. It's going to be whatever you make it be. I, I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> How many of y'all ever watched The Dog Whisperer? Come on, man. Y'all need to get with it. This guy, I don't even remember what his name is. Anybody know what his name is? Pedro? Caesar? Julio? Hey, I'm telling you, this can, they, and they always pick these little chihuahuas or these little uh, foo-foo dogs and all that kind of, and I mean, they're mean as a rattlesnake. I mean, growling to tear your arm off, and he goes in there. I mean, I just tie a shock collar to that little scoundrel, amen? I straighten your act up, amen? It won't fit around his neck. I'll tie it around his belly, amen? He'll get it one way or another. You know, you know what he says? He says, I have to rehab the dog and train the owner. You know what he says? That dog is what the owner made him to be. You take, you take everybody likes to get down on pit bulls or Rottweilers or, or Doberman Pinchers and all these other kind of dogs. They are what they are made to be. I can take a Chihuahua. God, help us say amen right there. Y'all with me? The same principle. It's going to be what you make it to be. If you walk around with a chip on your shoulder all the time, don't expect to have friends. If you go in every relationship, in every situation, trying to find the bad, guess what? You're going to find it. A buzzard flies around looking for rotted meat. That's what he finds. Hummingbird flies around looking for uh, uh, sweet nectar. Guess what he finds? It's because of what he's looking for. You, you get these people that people say, well, so-and-so's been, uh, you know, preacher, I'm not trying to start nothing, but so-and-so's told me this, so-and-so's told me that. And, and, and it's a reoccurring thing. I'm not saying that something won't like that won't happen every now and then to you or, or maybe once in a lifetime. But when it's a regular occasion, something wrong. It might be what you're looking for. Y'all with me? What's the point? The point is this. Go out making an effort to love somebody. Don't go out looking for friends. Go out to be a friend. Amen? Now, it's going to take effort, but thank God. It's not only a striving love. It is a, number four, it's a supported love. We're going to have help. 
How many of y'all need some help in this area? Y'all lying scoundrels. Come on now. Y'all got this? Y'all got this? Yeah, I'm still got my hand up. Come on, help me. <laughs> we have two wonderful assistants to help us love people we don't like. Y'all didn't even catch that right there, what I just said. We have two wonderful assistants to help us love people we don't like, people we, we, we are different than, uh, people that get under our skin, people that irritate us. Y'all with me now? Y'all, is it starting to make sense? Two things, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The same truth that we trusted and obeyed to become God's children also nurtures and empowers us. It is impossible, it is impossible, I want you to underline this. I couldn't tell whether it was my pen or the computer. It is impossible to love the truth and hate the brethren. Underline that. It is impossible to love the truth and hate the brethren. What does that mean? The Spirit of God produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the first of these is love. That's the first fruit, the love. If we are filled with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we will manifest the love of God in our daily experiences. What does that mean? If you're having trouble loving somebody, it might be that you've been neglecting the Word of God and you're not walking with the Spirit of God. It's as simple as that. Well, how can I love this certain, certain person? Immerse yourself in God's Word. Every waking moment you can. Either put it in CD or however you need to do it. If you, if, you're, if you like to read, just read, 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 read. Soak God's Word in your mind. And the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and start working on the inside and help you do what you can't do on your own. Amen? All right. We're, we're still talking about the family. We talked about uh, our arrival. We talked about uh, our affection. Then, then see, our appetite. Our appetite. What does he say in verse number 2 of chapter 2? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Our appetite. God's word has life, gives life, and nourishes life. We should have an appetite for the word just like hungry newborn babies because this alone can help us grow. As we grow, we discover that the word is milk for babes, but it's also strong meat for the mature. Isn't that cool? This same book that you can take and go as deep as you want. I mean, the greatest Bible scholar on the planet, the greatest thinker on the planet, there's more meat in here than he could ever digest in a lifetime. But you can take the same thing and put it in a bottle and feed a baby Christian. To me, that's amazing. That's amazing. But watch this. It all begins with the appetite. Now, I've heard preachers say, well, if you don't have an appetite for the word, if you don't have an appetite for the word, then you're not saved. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Ain't no question about it. I'm born again. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. Amen. I'm saved. But there's been times in my life I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't have an appetite for it. Brother Chris O'Neill? I know, I, I say I know you're saved. I believe you're saved. I mean, I, you've shown a testimony without, uh, Miss, Miss, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Miss Kathy's wondering herself, but no. Uh, has there been times in your life where 
You just didn't have an appetite for it. Now you say, how can you say that? How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all had a grandma that cooked and uh, wouldn't give you no Twinkies? <laughs> I had a grandma, I had, my mom's mom was the ice cream grandma. And, and, and it didn't matter what you wanted. If you wanted it and you was a grandkid, baby, you got it. Say amen. amen. Ice cream, uh, Twinkies, did not matter. You got it. You was a grandkid, you got it. Now, my dad's mom, that wasn't the case. Now, she went in in the morning and cooked breakfast for everybody, and when she got through her breakfast, she was cleaning the kitchen and getting ready for dinner. And then when dinner was over and, and she started cleaning that, she was getting ready for supper. Now, some of y'all people, y'all don't know what dinner and supper is. Y'all have lunch and dinner. That ain't real. <laughs> Amen. And if you came in the kitchen between breakfast and dinner or dinner and supper, she had a wooden spoon about this long right here. <laughs> and this is what she'd say. You're going to ruin your... Here's what I believe. I believe we as Christians can get so filled up on the junk of the world we can ruin our appetite. We can. You see, because the devil's going to offer so much junk, so much junk, and I don't even have time to go into all that. You know what that is. You say, I don't even have an appetite for the word, and you need to turn TV off. You need to put Facebook down. You need to put Cosmopolitan magazine in the garbage. You need to do that anyway. All this stuff that we've been filling our minds with, if it's not spiritual things, will not enhance our spirituality, will not draw us closer to God, is ruining your appetite. And that can happen. There's either two things going on. Either you're not saved, so you don't have a spiritual appetite. That could be. That could be. Or you've been filling it with everything else of this world that you don't have an appetite for spiritual things. You know what I found out? The more I take of it, the more I want it. And the more I dig into it, now I will say this, in the flesh, in the flesh, the hardest part about my studying or my reading is starting. It is, it's just disciplining my flesh to get, 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 sit down, get your Bible, let's. Now once I get started, no issue. No issue. My point is, we have to have an appetite for spiritual things. And this, hey, you ever heard the phrase acquired taste? This is a little, this may not even be, but it's, it, it fits right here. My dad, he's always wanted to like cantaloupe. He's wanted to like it. I mean, he has desired to like cantaloupe. He said, it looks so good, it smells good, and everybody else likes it. And they say it's an acquired taste. You just gotta, you gotta keep eating it till you like it. He said, I have never acquired the taste as many times as I tried it. But you know what? Reading the word, you just got to start. It's never going to happen wanting it. It's never going to happen sitting on the shelf. It's never going to happen to you. You take it. You get it. And you start somewhere. You start reading. And man, the first, the first time, I'm telling you, the 
first time God unveils a verse and you know it's just for you and the God of all glory, the creator of this whole universe, just specifically spoke to you, it's over. Nobody will have to beg you. Nobody will have to prod you. You'll want to. Are y'all with me? Amen. Oh, boy. Uh, the family, the family. What was A? Give me A again. Everybody say it with me. Our arrival. B, our affection one for another, our love for the family. Then our appetite, our appetite. Then D, lastly, we want, this is about all we'll cover tonight. Just bring your notes back next week. Uh, uh, let's look at our attitude. That's a good one to stop on, amen? Our attitude. They say, they say attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines altitude. You might not can choose the things that happens to you in life, but you can choose your attitude about it. Did anybody, did anybody get tested this week on uh, being too sensitive? I hope to God I'm not the only one. Amen. Have you ever noticed that when God gives me something to preach on Sunday, that's usually what you're going to face on Monday? I was sitting in the, in the, in the emergency room, Tammy's had, and I want y'all to pray for Tammy, if y'all don't mind. Uh, she's had some real, real issues with her neck, and, and we sat in the emergency room at UAB all day. I'm talking about show enough. All, they some different folks come in there. Say amen. <laughs> man, I got a story I want to tell, but I can't right now. Oh, mercy. And, and, and we, we left about 1130 that night. And, uh, and I sat there and sat there and sat there. And there was something got on me. And, uh, and uh, I started having an attitude about it. I mean, not, nobody knew. Tammy didn't know. And, 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 it just, and I just started. And it was like the Lord just said, hmm, aren't we sensitive today? <laughs> Did thou... Our attitude. How many of y'all know it's real easy to get a bad one and it takes work to keep a good one? I'm just going to be flat out honest with y'all tonight. It's work. Because everything in this world is going to come against you. But your attitude is going to determine how things come after the things come against you. Does that make sense? Now watch, <clears throat> verse number one of chapter two. Because we're in the family, because we have affection one for another, because we are connected one to another, wherefore, you see there's a continuation of thought because of everything we read from verse 22 to 25, he says, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, and envies and all evil speaking. 
You see, Peter warned his readers to lay aside certain wrong attitudes of heart. And he describes them. Malice means wickedness in general. Just, just wickedness. You don't, have to, you don't have to define that. You know what that is. Wrongdoing, sin, wickedness. Now, guile is craftiness. Using devious words and actions to get what we want. Basically, another word for manipulation. Now, nobody in this room thinks we're, you're wicked. We don't, and we won't classify that, and we won't say that we are, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think we are a little more than what we want to believe. Amen? And I do know that a lot of us, if not all of us, have an issue with using manipulation sometimes to get what we want. And according to Peter, he's saying, if we're in the family, that shouldn't be. We shouldn't manipulate somebody else. It shouldn't, have, it shouldn't be about what we want because love is about giving, not about getting. Is this starting to click? So if we truly love somebody, we're not going to manipulate them. We're going to say, what can I do for you? Because real love is about sacrifice. Real love is about giving. Now, manipulation, uh, craftiness. Of course, if we are guilty of malice and guile, we'll try to hide it. And this produces hypocrisy. We'll be a hypocrite. Often the cause of ill will, now this is something we all need to get right here. We'll, we'll just underline this. Everybody underline this. Often the cause of ill will is envy. And one result of envy is evil speaking. Conversation that tears the other person down. In other words, if somebody's speaking bad about you, they want to be you. That ought to help you feel better. I don't know why they got to talk about me like that. Because they're envious. You ever notice how, how, how if you really envy that person or what they have, you're going to find something to say something bad about. Hey, you, you can believe it or not, and this is not being arrogant, but there's a lot of people that's envious of temple. They're empty of full parking lots. They're, in, they're envious of, of what's happening. They're envious of God's spirit here. And instead of saying, hey, how can you help us have that? We're doing something wrong. Bless God, them compromises over there. All they're doing is scratching ears. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. You see, soon your critic will become your student. Why do you think Nicodemus came to Jesus by night? He didn't want everybody else to know he was going, but he had to go. Y'all with me? Now, here's the thing. There's two things I want you to get out of this. Don't sweat it when people are talking bad about you. That just means they envy you. And if you get caught up talking bad about somebody, what's that mean? It means we're envious of them. That don't need to be. Amen? Man, it got quiet right there for some reason. Amen. Envy produces evil speaking. Tearing down others. Tearing down others. 
If these attitudes and actions are in our lives, we will lose our appetite for the pure word of God. And if we stop feeding on the word, we stop growing. Read this with me, the whole underlying part. When Christians are growing, now I need everybody. Now we're, we're almost done. I mean, we're at one minute into overtime right now. If you all read with me and read loud, we'll, we'll close right here, all right? When Christians are growing in the word, they are, what are they? What are they? Not, and they promote the unity of the church. Wow. You ever known that person who's not happy unless everybody's not happy? They're really not happy unless they're not happy. But you know what? If you spend time in God's word, you'll be a peacemaker. Drama will not even be in your vocabulary. Amen? Let's get along. Let's have harmony. And not, not just in our church family. You need harmony in your, in your, your physical family. Because it might be what you bring to that arena might get those that are lost in your physical family into your spiritual family. Amen? A lot of stuff I wanted to cover tonight. We didn't have time. Uh, but we're going to just bring those notes. Now, how many of y'all know that you're probably going to forget them next week? I'm going to print some more, but try to. How many of y'all will, will work at keeping them notes in your Bible till next week? Raise your hand. All right. All right. Uh, isn't the Lord good? Now, now, let's make an effort. Let's make an effort and let's ask God to help us get along. Let's all stand. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. Father, thank you for your word. Now help us go practice this. This is not any good just hearing it. It's not any good just saying amen to it. It's not any good just, just uh, 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 hearing it and not practicing it. We have to practice the word. Uh, we cannot be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. We have to be a doer of the word. Now, Lord, help us to go home and practice this during the week and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we all pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Good night, everybody.